we edit this so like if you say something stupid or whatever we will i'm always one one take one take okay i've one never take. done the ls we've never we've maybe once in a while we've stopped at lsr podcast but <laughs> okay usually one take okay cool what is up everybody i'm jason trost the host of business of betting podcast today i'm joined by dustin Gauker. He is a prolific Twitterer, prolific blogger, prolific podcaster, most recently from Legal Sports Report. Welcome to the podcast, Dustin. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. Excited to talk for a while. I remember, I, I can't remember which podcast it was. You know, I've been following you for years on Twitter, which I, I imagine a lot of people have. And the you are so funny because you're like the, you're you're the guy who's like, your real life personality is the far, you're quite acerbic on Twitter and punchy and like opinionated and in person or, you know, on audio, you're like the nicest guy ever. Is it, is it an act or are you secretly a really angry person inside? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not super angry in real life, but like, yeah, I think like, I don't know. Twitter allows, I don't know. It's a, it is a different way to communicate and it's where I go to vent. I think, I know, especially now when I'm, I'm, I'm just consulting now for my, for my old company and I, I don't have a virtual office or people I talk to. So now Twitter really is that it's like, it's where it's for the good, for good and bad. I don't love Twitter either, but yeah, I don't, I, I just go, I get angry on Twitter. I don't know why. And I just, I let things loose on Twitter that I definitely don't, wouldn't let loose probably in, in real life or in a, in a more professional setting. And it's just, yeah, it's just kind of, it's, it's my outlet for, you know, being a little, you know, angry with the, the industry that we're in or things that we're, that I see. And I just, I just, I try to say what I feel. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes I get angry on the podcast too, but not, not, not as well. Not okay. As well, you're welcome to get angry today. So, I mean, at least it would line up more with your Twitter persona if you do get a little bit angry. Yeah. Nothing's made, it's better when something angry, something bad happened recently that makes me angry. Cause then I'm angry in the moment. No, I'm not, I'm not angry this morning. It's also early here. I just woke up <laughs> at seven o'clock local time here in the Pacific, but. All right. Well, namaste. So what? So let's let's. Why don't we kick off with a little bit of background? So I I know you come from a journalist background. Maybe for the the listeners who are not familiar with your story, why don't you give a quick version of your background and how you got into the sports betting industry? Yeah, I was in newspapers much of my life. Went to school, editor chief of my paper. Got worked at the Washington Post, doing all sorts of odd jobs for a long time, writing, editing. In the early two thousands, jumped around newspapers for a while. I was also in the poker industry a little bit, freelancing all the time in the background as kind of a second gig. So I was in the gambling industry and, and content writing a lot. And then at some point, I'm like, I need to get out of newspapers. I think most people know newspapers not a great business to be in generally these days. And I, I actually got out of got into marketing only for a little while and then came along my old boss chris grove was said started this site it wasn't actually called legal sports report at the time it was called odf report which is online daily fantasy report i think was the was the idea behind it and he was just starting it out he's like hey i need somebody to write for it i had written for chris in the past about, about poker and kind of the rest of his history i just started building that site up back when 2015 only daily fantasy was really around we weren't even really thinking about sports betting even at that point where like there was the new jersey case around the federal ban but that hadn't really gone anywhere but obviously in a few years it had we set up that site for that um, you know we were doing sites about news and affiliation for online casino as well but we were just making money basically off of new jersey on the casino daily fantasy sports in, in the form of DraftKings and fandle 
And then obviously the Supreme Court case came and changed everybody's lives around sports betting in North America. We we had a pretty good portfolio of sites, not just Legal Sports Report. They're really well situated for you know the the world that we came into and you know providing news about sports betting and also leads to both both online casino and sports betting operators. And I've been doing that for about the past eight years. I was the last role was vice president of content for North America for Container Media, which owns and operates all these sites. And I stepped down a few months ago. Now I'm just a consultant trying to figure out what I want to do next. And yeah, blogging a little bit. And that's about it. So is is Daily Fantasy something that you're personally into? Or did you just sort of fall into it, you know, because it was sort of topical in sports? Yeah, I never really got into Daily Fantasy. It's it's interesting because I understood all the mechanics. The thing about legal sports for the time when I came there, I brought something that, you know, it sounds ridiculous in retrospect, but people weren't doing sites like this. Now everybody's doing sites like this, right? There's everybody's doing news and covering all of everything around daily fantasy and sports betting. At the time, I was just doing, yeah, I brought journalism, a journalism background, which really hadn't been applied to in a real way to daily fantasy and then the sports betting industry. I knew the gambling ecosystem a little bit from poker and, and how content worked. I had a, I had a little bit of a, I had a writing and SEO background. So I knew a little bit of all of this. I wasn't certainly a proficient at the time. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I'd been a fantasy, I'd been a season-long fantasy player for all my life. So I, I knew I know the mechanics of all of this. I just didn't I just didn't play daily fantasy a ton, but I understood why this is an attractive prop attractive thing for people to play and, and why it was a placeholder and eventually led to, you know, basically the, the world we found ourselves we find ourselves in where DraftKings and FanDuel are kind of the leaders in our in our space. When when I think of daily fantasy fantasy I, I I see something that really isn't that related to sports betting. I see something that's very sort of like, I don't know what the right way to describe it would be, but very much like a game, very sort of like gamey, like trivial pursuity. When I see, when I think of sports betting, I think more of a financial transaction. So I don't really think about daily fantasy and sports betting being like related to each other in a meaningful way. Do you agree with that? Or do you think there's a lot more in relation, you know, overlap between daily fantasy and sports betting? I, that's a, we could probably do a whole podcast just about that. I, I agree that there's a lot of separation between the two products and how people use them. And I do think that daily fantasy is a form of gambling, just like, just like, just like sports betting, whether you're good at it, you could be good at it and probably, you know, make a little money. Same with daily fantasy sports, but there's so much out of your control when you're playing it, you know, injuries and what other people do and things like that. There's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. So it's, it's a form of gambling. Yes. There's more skill in daily fantasy. There's, you know, the best players in the world in daily fantasy are, are the best players. They've been doing this for a while. They make money at it, but does it be the casual player who's you know, dropping 20 bucks on a, on a millionaire maker event isn't, isn't gambling. They're just, they're putting a, they're putting a lottery ticket in hoping to win. Sometimes those people win sometimes, but you know, oftentimes the, the DFS pros are, are winning a lot of these things, but, but as, as far as the product itself, yeah, they're very different. Like, Forming like there's a lot that goes into forming a DFS lineup. Like, I mean, yeah, you could click, click random buttons and get to a salary, and oh, this is my team, and I think this is who's what's going to happen. But a lot of people spend a lot of time with it, just like season long, where they spend a lot of time putting effort into. Oh, here's my lineups. Here's what I think is going to happen. Here's what I think the ownership percentages will be. All of that. So yeah, it's not like sports betting is. Yeah, you click a button. Oh, I'm going to over under this team will win or don't this prop this prop bet. It's a very it is a very different transaction. Although the users, I'd argue, are, are you know again why DraftKings and FanDuel have a lead is those users who play DFS are well situated and want to have often want to bet on sports. They don't 
one some, that's not a hundred percent of n circle that's encapsulate everybody but those it has nothing are, to are, do with a billion dollars of ads on every bus in america <laughs> <laughs> no but they, but there's they're the same there's the users who play dfs also want to bet on sports in 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 large part again those databases that DraftKings and fanduel spent years creating have, have served them well in in launching sports betting across the united states yeah, I'm I'm probably completely showing my ignorance in daily fantasy, but I remember when it, you know uh, Nigel first talked about it and it, and it kind of became a thing in America. I always thought it was not that it's not fun to do or anything like that, but I just thought it was sort of a proxy for legal sports betting. You know, waiting for sports betting to to come along. Has that borne out to be true? Like, you know, do 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 Fanduel, DraftKings make any money from daily fantasy, or or is it not really profitable. I mean, I'm sure they're profitable on their DFS, but it is just a pipeline for for users at this point. Like, especially the states that have not legalized yet now, and that you know they're operating in in California, Florida, and Texas, three states that don't have legal sports betting yet. They are one making money because they're offering DFS contests in those states, and two creating again continuing to to curate a database of of players if those states ever legalize sports betting and they could, and they could serve those markets. So yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't like, it's not like you took all the money away. Yes. It's like, these are huge companies now. Fandle, like Flutter, Fandle's parent company. I'm sure it doesn't really care about Fandle from a bottom line perspective. DraftKings might a little bit more. It, it affects, it would probably affect them a little bit more if it, it went away just because of the, you know, DraftKings is, you know, a sports betting is a, only a sports betting draft online casino and daily fantasy company here in North America. I mean, limited operations, other places, it would probably, it would be a little bit more noticeable, but still, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, not super meaningful revenue to any of them. It is meaningful as a, as a product that they can offer people in places where sports betting isn't legal yet. So pivoting to sports betting, are you into sports betting yourself or do you, you sort of feel like an outsider commentator or, or is it something that you enjoy doing and get involved in? I do. I do bet on sports, not a ton. You know, I I like betting during NFL season, NBA playoffs roll around. I'm, I'm betting a little more. We have here. In, I live in Oregon, where we only have one. We only have DraftKings. And there's a monopoly situation with lottery here, so I only have one legal app here. But yeah, I enjoy it as a customer. I'm certainly not. I'm definitely a recreational better. I'm not spending a lot of time doing research or or, or all of that. But I like you know putting small bets down. I'm not as I'm not as big into the huge single game parlays and parlays that you see thrown about all over the place. But yeah, I do like bet, to bet a little bit. I But I definitely consider myself a recreational better. So you like losing money slowly is what you're saying. Yeah, yes, definitely slower. I'm, I'm a huge <laughs> nit. I'm a huge nit in gambling. Unless I'm playing Pi Gal in Vegas or someplace else. I like, I like playing Pi Gal. That's my favorite way to gamble. But uh, yeah, I like, but I but I like it. And I, you know, but it's not something that, you know, Again, it's something I've been a part of for a long time, but there's lots of weeks when I'm not gambling or not even thinking about it. And then, you know, oh, there's this game that Sixers started. I'm a Philadelphia sports fan. Sixers are in the playoffs. I'm gonna, I might bet on a, on a Sixers game here and there. Good. So I, I was actually talking to an Australian sports betting entrepreneur um, yesterday, and he was saying that some same game parlays in Australia have 140% margin built into them. It's just insane the the margin that these operators are getting getting away with. So as somebody who has followed you for a long time, I mean, I would almost say that you have so many different, you know, like you said, Twitter's sort of where you go to shit post and kind of vent and, and your alter ego can shine, you know, because you don't, don't tell these opinions to anybody. So you want to tell the world on Twitter. What, what are some of like your core tenants? Like what, what, what do you think about the industry as somebody who's followed this from before it started? Like, 
what are some of your big opinions about sports betting in the States? I don't know. I think the biggest thing right now is that this rush to legalize, again, if you would have told me, you know, 2018, when when the Supreme Court made the decision to, to roll back uh, PASPA and, and basically lifted the federal ban, uh, I didn't think we were going to get legalization as quickly as we did. There is this all hands on deck, like lobbying effort to, to like make this happen. And I think that's, I think that created a lot of bad policy and a lot of, you know, that's what we're seeing kind of the, the pullback on right now or the pushback actually, where we're seeing regulators saying, uh, this isn't good that you're doing this, that we're seeing perhaps bans on, on or restrictions on advertising. We've, you know, we've gotten, you know, sometimes monopoly operators, sometimes not the best operators in states. You know, I, I was, I'm not here to tell you that we're ever going to get a fully fully open commercial marketplace for all these sports books but we've created some some bad some bad laws some bad policy you know we had you know for instance in new york we had we had companies agree to a 51% tax to operate like that's nuts like and now people are complaining about it like like this we we just everything happened so fast and i understand why it happened fast and it's also an amazing lobbying effort by you know the people who did this to get this to that point, but we also created you know and uns- like New York is is not a you know I agree it's not a sustainable. Yes, people are doing business there. Yes, they're not making a lot of money, but that people then point to well, why are you paying fifty one percent tax over here in New York? And now we're now the the we're we're paying the check now, and you know I think we've there's just been the, all this rush, and I don't think it's been really great for the long term ecosystem. And you know we we have casuals now calling out how much advertising we're seeing, you know, in game, like you watch an NBA playoff game. Now we have, now we're having little breaks every quarter. It's like, Oh, here's what the game opened at. Here's what the point spread is now. Like that's a lot. That's a lot from five years ago where I had no sports betting to now it's really invading and invading is maybe a bit much, but it's really front and center between, you know, live reads and games and little little graphics and, you know, the, the boards in the back, like every stadium where there's legal sports betting or even not has, you know, some sort of gambling in it. Like there's a lot. Um, the, the craziest example I saw was, you know, Superbook has this, has a sponsorship of the Orioles stadium in Baltimore and it's right above the scoreboard. It's, you know, good team wins, good teams win, great teams cover. I mean, that's aggressive like that's and i'm not calling out superbooks like the least is really the least of the problems in advertising but it was an example of like man are we we've like i think we've gone too far with some of this and it's kind of reaping what you sow we've we've gone a little too far with everything that's happened in legalization and 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 advertising and now the, the bills come due and people and people who not in the industry are not, don't always like it and that, that's why that's why we find ourselves in the situation we're in so is that like saying because we've had four seasons of Love is Blind, maybe we should have stopped at three and taken a beat and not rushed to do season four? Absolutely. That's a, I, as, a, as, a, as a connoisseur of the show, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, you know, this live show just was a debacle. So let's, let's, let's not go to that there again. So there were, you just wrapped up probably like five, ten years of opinions in a two-minute two rant. So let's, let's unpack some of that stuff. So my point of view on the rollout is that, and I know I'm shouting into the wind right now, as they say, or pounding sand or something. This is where I'm going to be angry, but I think it's absolutely insane that we didn't have a federal framework for this. I understand the the reasons on the ground and blah, 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 blah. But I think it was a crazy, horrible thing for the end consumer that we did the state by state and the end consumer is really going to pay for that. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? 
Yeah, I, I think the problem is that a federal framework was never very likely after the Supreme Court ban. Like that it's was never not, too like, late to do the right thing, Dustin. I mean, there's there's barely. I mean, we barely have national work national frameworks for any form form of gambling is the problem. Like we have basically tribal gaming has kind of overarching, and then ho- and horse racing kind of does, and that's it. Like CFTC not, trading, all that stuff's federal framework. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not arguing with you, but like to to ask the federal government all of a sudden to create like a sports betting framework is like you know, and and to and also in today's like it's not. I mean, I don't. This I know this is not a show on politics. I'm not going to get too far into it, but like passing something like that in today's political climate is almost impossible. Like that's it's just not going to happen. And it was not. Here, here's the here's the here's the real backstory: is that the leagues. Really thought when when the, when the case against New Jersey and, and PASPA came around, they really thought they had infinity time to do this. They thought they were going to legalize sports betting on their. It was going to happen on their terms. They were going to get a. They all believe this really. The, the Congress they would pass something. Congress would pass something eventually that they would like. They had they thought oh PASPA is never going to fail. And then when it, ha- when it happened, everybody caught, caught with their pants down and like they they lost control of the ability to do this. That was you know if. In a world where New Jersey loses the Supreme Court case in 2018, that's how we got sports betting. It would have been a lot, much longer time frame. But they thought everybody, you know, NBA, NFL, uh, MLB, they all thought they had infinity time to do this. They were going to run it. They were going to run the bill, and they were going. They, they would eventually get exactly what they wanted. But yeah, and now you just lost control. There's no way. No, there's no way. You, I mean, you might get at some point some kind of federal standards on advertising. Or some kind of quasi regulation at top level, but there's no world in where U.S. is going to come in and tell up like 30 plus states that have legalized sports betting. Here's how you're going to do it. That's not going to happen anymore. The cat's out of the bag. It's that, that that's over. Sure, maybe like I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I, I, I'm often wrong, but I don't think there's a world where we get meaningful federal oversight of, of sports betting anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is one of my pet peeves, but and you know, as an American, I can sympathize with your what you're saying of how unrealistic it is. I'm not, I'm not arguing it's realistic. I'm just trying to argue the theory and and like get the industry insiders agreed on the theory that it's really dumb to do this state by state. That, oh, it's a hundred, it's a hundred percent idiotic that we're doing. Okay. Like, there's a lot of things that we do as a, as I a feel country. better. That's all I want. I'm, oh I yeah, no, better. no, no. I, yeah, I, here's the thing though. As soon as it happened, you could like. There are micro, you've seen how it's borne out. Again, it's borderline crazy how many states have legalized anything. There's play, there's states that had no real form of gambling other than lottery that have legalized sports betting, which is again nuts. But I mean, I could have, and we could have told you California was going to be a mess. I'm sure you could have too before it even, before that effort even really started. But yes, it's like a patchwork of states. It's bad for the consumer. It's bad for the operators. It's bad. It's bad for everyone. It would 100% make sense to have a federal framework where, and, and an open competitive marketplace where everybody could do this. And that, that would, you know, that would also meaningfully, you know, you know it's, like eat into offshore. Yeah, like exactly. The UK. But, but we're, but there's, there's still people overseas who don't understand. I think that we're, we're basically 50 different countries, right? Like it's not, no, we're it's not, not. No, it's not, we're not. From a, from a gambling regulation standpoint, it's no. not, it's not that, it's not that, I mean, from a lot of standpoints, it's not that bad, but you have, but you have, you have to pass a law in every, every different state, right? You can't just say, oh, you know, Oh, now we're in Texas. Like, unless you're daily fantasy sports, which you can do it without a law. But, but sports betting is you have to pass a law everywhere. So it's 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 like again, I can't keep coming back to this. It's exceedingly hard to pass laws, and the fact that we passed all these laws basically in three years—it's crazy. 
that is have- that is crazy yeah but I, I i would say that's not not thanks to the legislators per se i think it's thanks to the populace being like why the fuck can't we bet on sports and everybody's betting on sports anyway and what's the big fucking deal you know it's like marijuana legalization and all this other kind of stuff it's like what's the big fucking deal here so yeah. although I, we're seeing I, pushback in some some states now like that are like it's a little it's still a, it's still a moral issue to some state the lofts i was Sometimes southern states, but they're still um, wrong. Yeah, no doubt. People <laughs> should like be able to do with marijuana. They... There's no reason marijuana shouldn't be legal oh. everywhere. Yeah, and, and and regulated and and all that. Yeah, I mean, again, or- yeah. Oregon's a place where you know society hasn't fallen down. We legalized legalized marijuana several years ago. And psilocybin it's... recently, or something, right? Yeah, or it's, was a little, that it's a little. I forget if it failed or not here. It was very, it's very strange. One of the states here. passed Phyllis. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Phyllis. Yeah. Shrooms, right. Yeah. For, it's a little different than weed. It's not as, as easily available, but you know, society didn't fall down because we legalized weed. It just put it, you know, it created, you know, more new revenue for the state. Again, some of the arguments and, and let's, again, I'm a libertarian too. And a lot of like people should do what they want as long as it's not harming other people. And sports gambling is generally, you know, yes, there's societal costs and responsible gambling, but you know, it's not we shouldn't be nanny states that are telling people how to gamble or not, right? Speaking of nanny states, there's a commentator online named Dustin who basically said the betting industry is going too far too hard. How would you respond to his comments with your libertarian hat on? No, I, yeah, no, I, I, I agree, but uh, I, but I, but That's, that was one of your opinions just before you're basically saying we're going too hard at sports betting like whoa Nelly, like pull up on the horse, let's not spray the kids with betting ads blah 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 yeah, what, what, the, what's your take on that yeah i mean i'm not i'm not asking for intervention either i'm asking for people to just be smart before somebody intervenes for us right like that's 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 where that feels like where we're all headed again like it's not like we can't look at overseas and see exactly what the path is it's just like i think somebody i somebody i know in the industry basically we're we're basically basically the uk but on on like three times speed right like we're making the same mistakes in real time and it's catching up to us almost as like it's probably not going to catch up to us as quite as quickly, but it's going to catch up with us at some point. We're going to see, you know, some of what we've seen in the UK. It's it's harder like logistically to change these things because it's not going to happen federally. But you know, we've 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 already seen like Ohio, regulations in Ohio, for instance, have become the proxy for everywhere. Like they've limited some sort of, like how you can advertise bets, and that basically started a chain reaction of almost self regulation or just or fear of being in violation in Ohio, like. Basically, free bets and risk-free bets, that terminology went away. Like, Ohio launched New Year's Day. Like, that went away, basically, overnight. Like, there's some operators who kind of did, and then the AGA, American Gaming Association, also launched you know, new, new code that said, we're not going to use this kind of terminology. And that basically happened overnight. That's, you know, that's basically quasi-self-regulation. I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not asking for anyone to intervene. I'm just saying, like, hey, like, if we don't do it ourselves as an industry... Somebody's going to cut like eventually, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next year, but somebody's going to come in and do this for us. So you, your hypothesis is that if the industry doesn't take a beat, people are going to get really annoyed with this and call the legislator to say, block these ads is what you're saying. I don't know if it's going to get that bad, but I think there's, I do think there's some widespread sentiment from people who just enjoy sports and have have nothing to do with gambling that it's too much. Again, all, like, and we know we already we already lived through like you said with DFS we lived through this right we lived through a world where you know that 2015 2016 where they were at like every ad was a FanDuel or DraftKings ad you could watch an NFL game that's all you saw right like it was it was ridiculous and like it's that but it's also but it's 
it's not maybe not quite that bad, but it's it's intruded into the broadcast as well, which probably makes it some ways feel as bad as as that. So again, is it all the end of the world? Are people yeah are people going to rise up and mass and demand this? No, but we have you know a, we have both a, we have a New York legislator, we have a a federal legislator who have introduced bills about this. That doesn't mean they're going to happen, but it's it's the start of this sentiment where if it doesn't get pulled back, and maybe it gets pulled back by just like natural selection where you know. DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM, Caesars are all pulling back on 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 advertising anyway. They're going to do a little less of this, but you know they still want their brands in front of you know NBA audiences. FanDuel has a you know FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, FanDuel is very aggressive on the NBA broadcast, right? Like they're they're all over it. So, and on the local level, again, every market's different, but you're you're still those are those are good branding efforts. Like when you're trying to hold market share, or or you know try to attract customers who you, you might not get another avenues. Like it's there's a there's a lot. There's still a lot. There's, I think there's always going to be a lot. So, I I just I don't and I don't know what the mechanism is. It's like I said, oh yeah, kumbaya, everybody come together and like fix this. But it's hard in the real time for like a bunch of like a bunch of disparate groups, like leagues, teams, operators, responsible gambling, like to come in together and say, here's what we should be doing, or and limit ourselves because if, like if somebody doesn't play by those rules, then then what are you going to do? So I, I mean, I totally get the sentiment. That, I mean, as somebody that watches way too much cable news, I mean, I've seen like probably like a hundred ads on Camp Lejeune or whatever the fuck that you know, whatever they suffered, or you know, incontinence medicine or Lipitor, Viagra, whatever the drug ad is of choice. Like, I, I, I get your sentiment, but like, where do you draw the line? Like, what is quote unquote sensible? What's unsensible? What's smart? What's not smart? It feels like a very fuzzy line to me. Oh, it is a fuzzy line. I'm not saying I'm not saying there's a bright line. It's just when you see people, you know. Again, I saw I saw the example of somebody who's out of our industry just saying, like watching games, and it's it feels gross. The Chris Hayes tweet, right? Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Like, like, but like he's kind of like you on Twitter. He has to have an angry opinion about everything. Yeah, yeah, but I can't. I don't <laughs> think I, I've, it's not the first time I've seen that sentiment either from people out. It's again, who who knows how widespread it is, but. Again, we've had we've, it's gotten to the point where legislators see it and say we should be doing something about this. That's and, and regul regulators are thinking about it too. I could, I've been in discussions with regulators who who are, who are concerned about this. You know, Massachusetts, for instance, new state that legalized, is very concerned about the quantity of ads that is getting served to people. And yeah, what what is the mechanism? Uh, you know, again, if you, it it does take a kumbaya moment where you know again, AGA did a good job of starting the conversation. They basically did some very basic, you know. Changes to their to the responsible game to the responsible advertising code, and here's what we're going to do to try to do this. But is that enough? You really need everybody to come together and say, "Look, here's what we're going to do." Like, we don't want to end up like the UK. I think everybody can agree on that. But what is what's what wrong are, with the what, UK? I, 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 mean, I don't, don't know if I I don't know if I do agree with that. I mean, maybe, maybe we don't need to. I don't. Th I don't. I what's mean, wrong I don't with think. The, what specifically think the, about the every, UK are you talking about? Because I, I mean, I'm I think not sure. just. This, I mean, I think just the limits and and on on things. What limits? Like limits on advertising and and all of that. Like people, like again, maybe maybe think... it is maybe it is good in the long term that we end up like the UK. I, I'm I'm just saying I'm saying the industry at large would like the free reign that it has now. I don't think there's a limit on the quantum of advertising. There's a limit. There's a UK standard that says you can't make any disparaging claims against competitors. You can't show children and, or, or things that entice betting to children. And I believe you can't make untrue statements, but I, I don't think there's a limit on the quantum of advertising that you can do in the 
in the UK market. Yeah, isn't there a limit on when? Anyway, we're, we're, but maybe we're yes. Yeah. yes. Anyway, oh, here. but why is that? I don't think that's. Bad. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying people can do whatever they want right now, and there are ranges of outcomes. Like going to going to a poker <laughs> reference. Like there's ranges of outcomes that go from status quo to draconian advertising bans. Right. Like again, I don't. I'm not a big believer that the federal government's going to come in and say no more advertising for sports betting. Like that's that seems unrealistic to me. But again, I'm not. Yeah, maybe maybe end up like the UK is is a is a fine end state. Like it's it, it, if you ported it all out over, maybe it's better for the business. I'm just saying, the companies don't want they want they have a lot of freedom now. Even though we're talking about lots of regulation, a lot of what's going on, like it's not that draconian right now. But there's a there's a world where you can't, you can't really do what you want anymore. And I don't. And again, I'm not I'm not, I'm not saying that's bad for the industry. I'm saying the industry doesn't want that. <laughs> they would like the freedom to do what they to want. To wear my Union Jack hat a little bit, since you know we've been here for 15 years. I, I like there's tons. I have I, I do have lots of complaints with the with the Gambling Commission, but I would say that I've never seen another betting regulator do as good a job as as the GC in the UK. So I, I would put them up against anybody, and I and I wish you know in my wildest dreams would sports betting be run as well in the US as it is in the UK. Not gonna happen. But uh, I, I hear you. I hear it's not realistic, but I, I think it's like it's I think it's good to kind of get that message out there that the UK does it well and the US does not do it well. And I, I think it's important to at least if it's unrealistic to change that people understand that the model in the US of the state-based regulation is bad and that the way that they are restricting ads, you know, do they go too far in the UK? You, I, I, I think you can do a betting ad after 9 p.m. or something like that. Like, is that that big of a deal? Like, I, I don't think they necessarily should have that ban, but I also like, I don't care that much. I don't care that you can't do it, you know, in the middle of the day like you could before. Again, over a long enough time horizon, do we have a possibility of a federal framework and all of that? Sure. It's not going to happen in five years. It's not going to happen in 10 not years. Not with that attitude, Dustin. And, but again, like, I don't know. I, I come, I also, I went to school for politics and I, I went to school in DC at George Washington university. And like, I thought I was going to be in government and politics. And I quickly became disillusioned with that and stayed in journalism for God only knows why, but, but it's get, we are, we are a, a fiefdom among a bunch of different States that do whatever the hell they want. Like, and like, fully, like once, once it's out of the bag, it's like, how are you going to go? Like, you're not going to go erase a bunch of state laws and say, "Here's the new federal framework." Not going to happen. In, in your best case scenario, you create a framework of, you know, here's the basics of it. Here, we maybe we get the the excise tax, and it goes towards something useful rather than just into the general funds of the IRS and the government. Like, there's that's that's our that's probably the best case scenario because there, you can't find a really. I, I challenge you to find an example in U.S. history where. We just erase what a bunch of state, a bunch of states legalize things in different ways. And I got hey, one. go ahead. What is it? Drinking age. I just watched a video on this the other day. Vox had a YouTube thing on why the drinking age is twenty one, and it turns out that there are three or four different drinking ages up until the eighties or nineties, all the way from I think seventeen, eighteen, all the way up to twenty two. And what happened was. During the 80s, there was lots of alcoholic deaths on the road, and Reagan wanted basically, ironically, to use the power of the federal government to regulate the states. And so what they did was they withheld funds for the highway system to force the hand of all the states to change their drinking age to 21, and that's what they did. 
But that's still, again, an example of overarching framework that's not like blowing up what everybody did. There's still well, state-level liquor control could, boards. and Yeah, I mean, what you could do is you could say that, you know, you don't get funds for X unless sports betting does Y, you know, for example. That, that, but, again, that's realistic. Again, all I'm saying is people expecting the federal government to come in and wipe the slate clean and like, oh, we're going to start over with sports yeah. betting. Not going to happen. Just because it's unrealistic doesn't mean – it's not important to say that that's the right thing to do. I right. think that, sure. that's where, that's where we're differing. I, th I think it's important because I think there's a lot of people in the United States, including the AGA, which I completely disagree with on many things. This is one of them that I think the AGA wants it this way because it protects the casinos rights, which I think is horrible. So I think it's important to, to draw the baseline of the people that, you know, want to see the industry done right, at least that we acknowledge that that's the right way to do it, even if it is unrealistic to do it. Yeah, way. maybe I'm too jaded. And, but I, like, I, I think I, so. You sound quite, I, you, you know, maybe you need to get out of Oregon. We could, I mean, we're in we're in a liberal libertarian paradise here in Oregon. Let me just, no, not real. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The, if you're conservative, you don't think that way, I'm sure. Because, I've seen wild country. doesn't, you know. I'm I'm like on the, I'm on the border of like so like Western Oregon is very liberal Portland Eugene where the universities are and things like that then there's mountains and I live in a town called Bend which is a bunch basically a bunch of California transplants a bunch of people who moved here from other places and then some people who've just been here all their lives and then as soon as you get out of that you're into you know Eastern Oregon which is you know the Malheur Reservation where the standoff was like very like right on the the border of the two worlds between like between very conservative and very libertarian and they kind of they kind of clash here in the in the in the in the ranch land where we live so yeah very i've been to bend it's it's beautiful right next to mount hood cool so let's move on to another topic where what do you see like besides the fact that you think you know like let's pull back on the reins a little bit on the on the gung-ho-ness what do you think about the big four that are emerging do you are you happy with the big four do you think they're good do you think they're bad do you think that they're going to change I mean, we could have a worse big four, I think. I mean, I where I, where I come at, like, this has been a, a topic of debate for a long time, that, that sports betting is not solved in the United States. And, like, I don't know. It's it, it's becoming harder to believe that anybody's going to come disrupt that what we have with, you know, Fando leading and DraftKings number two. MGM and Caesars, you know, sending, you know, three and four in most places. We have a couple, we have 365. It's getting, you know, obviously well-known UK and, and global brands that, you know, seems to be taking this all a little bit more seriously. And if they ever do take it really seriously, like they can compete. And then we have the unknown of fanatics coming in and, you know, they've hired infinity people, you know, a lot of, they have, they have a war chest to come try to do this, whether this database of people who buy t-shirts and jerseys and hats, what's the bet on sports too? I guess we'll, we'll see. I it's those, but there's not a whole lot of path to disruption right now that I see is the, is the, is the issue. It's not that, it's the God-given right of these companies to to own these spots, but like, how are either of those disruptive enough to to really change things? You know, again, three sixty five if it decides to spend all of its money to you know if it can push the United States, then that that makes a difference for sure. So we'll see. I mean, it, you know, I don't agree with everything that all of those companies do. I think you know, I think that all of them have made missteps in various ways. But the one thing I do think is is you know, product is the one where we keep talking about product and 
it's still a largely homogenous product out there. There's not a ton of differentiation. FanDuel was the first to same game parlays. That is obviously what consumers want because we can people can rail against, oh, these are bad bets. They're not, they have high hold, whatever. People want them because they're a lottery ticket, right? You want to bet $5 to win 1000 Like For every one of those bets we see sh- shared on social media, there's there's thousands or tens of thousands of them that lose, which is why these things are profitable and why, why all this happens. So... I don't know. I like. I'm not going to say that FanDuel is going to lead forever, but it's starting to seem like it's it's harder to disrupt that the longer we the, the longer we get away from from launch. So um, my business hypothesis is that the two things that need to be disrupted is price and product. So you know, FanDuel's. I mean, at least famously in my mind, they're basically saying their their margins nine, ten, eleven percent. They want to build that. Their blended margin is, and they want to push that higher. I would say the other operators have very similar margins up. You know, definitely closer to ten than five. And in some cases, people are pushing north of ten percent. From my the reason I founded my company is I thought that's insane that people are paying a 10% transaction fee every time they're placing a bet. So I think there's a giant window to disrupt from the pricing perspective. And these companies aren't equipped to, you know, it's not like Walmart where they, you know, the bigger you are, the more purchasing power you have. It's the bigger you are, the the less room you actually have to kind of narrow your price down. And the second thing, which I think we do uniquely is that we own all our own technology and with very few exceptions, none of our competitors do. So, so when somebody like me comes along, cause I'm, I imagine startups reach out to you and pitch you and blah, blah, blah. Like, do you think I'm full of shit? and we don't have a chance do you think it's just like you know like even if we're quote you do you view it as like federal regulation like even if it's the right thing to do it ain't gonna happen what like what's your reaction to a company like smarkets i mean i i agree that if you can get to a critical mass of people and and serve a critical mass of states that price you know you know i don't i i maintain that people aren't super price sensitive but you know over the long term people are gonna like whether they uh, they are aware of their, their their price sensitive or not, they, that's going to catch up, right? That that churn is going to catch up with with everyone if you're holding at that at that rate. Yeah, I think you know you know there's examples you know the the you know the exchanges or the trading apps like Sport Trade, for instance, in New Jersey, you know is is based on you know a commission that's very, that's relatively small and, and and commissions on trades instead of yeah this ten percent vig on on every or, or higher on on everything that you that you offer so. Yeah, I, but I think the challenge is 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 being able to serve enough of the enough states to do that. Like again, like New York is a fifty one percent tax rate, and all the licenses are taken up. Most of the license, like not every state, license are taken up. But and I, I guess the opening is that some of these companies are going to fall away, right? Like there's going to be consolidation. There's going to be you know state companies. We've already seen a few a few few sports books just kind of close up shop. So the licenses are available, but there's also, you know, some places there's no way to get there. And like, you know, Texas and California, you're going to be, you're going to be going through the tribes in California, going in Texas, if, if and when it ever happens, seems like you're going to be going through the, the league and the teams that are, are there to get a license or, you know, maybe in a world where they get a casino. So this world where this tethered world of casinos is again, because the, the you know, the lobbying apparatus in every state, like those, that, that, is the problem that you confronted with when you, whatever you're you know, going into a new state, like how are you going to get that market access? Can you get enough market access where that pricing starts to matter? You know, again, Circa is one that, you know, says, Oh, we're going to take every bet or we have low lowest, lower VIG. 
but they they still only really they've barely anywhere right like that that access and paying for that access you still need to do that so again product and, and pricing sure i i'm a believer in it but you still have to you have to get that all of that to the to the consumer which is is the sticking point right now in the world we live in so I, i'm not trying to make this about smart markets per se i'm just using us as an illustrative example but so you're arguing that if there were the uk style federal regulation in the us we would have a chance but in the sort of backwater state by state inside baseball world small companies don't have a chance is that is that kind of the oversimplification of your view if you come up with something you know again if some something really unique we just haven't seen anybody deliver that you know again we're again we, we say it feels like yes yeah, so i'm saying it's solved but we're still only five years into it and differentiation of product and pricing really hasn't come around yet again i think you need that i think if you can solve the access problem absolutely i think there's a there's a, a, a way to do that but you can't you like there's not going to be a magic wand where oh all of a sudden markets or any of these companies are in you know, in 15 states, you have to, you can have to, you have to do bespoke deals, right? In every, and you know this, you have to do a bespoke deal in every state. It's getting cheaper it, though. It's getting cheaper and easier. And to your point about New York, I mean, I imagine one or two of those guys are going to go out of business at some point, you know, so slots are going to start opening up or, or either they're going to go out of business or consolidate, you know, like that 51% is not, you know, a lot of those, the big companies are really struggling because they're, you know, the cheap capital is gone. There's no cheap capital anymore in the market and, you know, they need to become profitable or die. And very few of these companies have a path to profitability, I think. Yeah. Again, again, it's, it does feel like there's a chain, there's a, in the horizon, you know, like Caesars has gone like from when they launched in New York offering $3,000 bonuses, you, you couldn't, JB Smoove was on every TV everywhere. Caesars has really has, has pulled back and they, and that has ended up, you know, they went from had a had a large percentage of New York and even the national market, and now they're you know pretty not pretty distant fourth behind MGM right now. So if you come in, I mean, still, but that's that's also an example of of the problem is that Caesar spent infinity money and maybe didn't spend infinity money very well, but they spent all that money and ended up with you know a three percent market share, which yeah, probably profitable now, but is that that exciting for the amount of effort they put into it? Again. And we haven't gotten to this, but I mean, the long game for everyone is online casino. Like we've still seen so little adoption of online casino in the United States. Like again, a long enough time horizon, you're going to see more of this. We, you know, basically have, you know, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Michigan, West Virginia, a little bit, a little bit in Delaware and, and Nevada and Connecticut. But like, that's what, that's what everybody's really playing for, right? Like sports betting is fine, but that online casino business, like online casino, like even with those states, like so, there's some operators who that's way more than those few, those few states are, they make more money there than they do in all the states they serve for sports betting. So that's the long game that everybody's playing right now that we, that we haven't really talked I think, about. I, I mean, I grew up next to Mohican Sun, so I'm, I'm very into, I mean, I like going to Mohican Sun and Foxwoods and things, but I just think online casino is one of the dumbest things ever invented by man. Can't argue, but I can't argue with that. But also, <laughs> Who the product to play roulette online—it's insane. I don't. know. I mean, live, live dealer is actually interesting, although that that think that's 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 more of a stickiness than a than a product that really makes a lot of money. I know it's it's. I don't know. Like, I'm not an all like casino player either. I, I like get place you, but to I, do. But I also go, want guys. people to do. I want, I want people to do what they want. Again, come from poker world too. I want everybody to play poker if they want to play poker. Poker, you need to use your brain. There's math involved, and the, you know the psychology. As, as long as you're not playing against a bot, it's, it's quite interesting. I, 
poker, I, I can I can see, but like spinning a roulette wheel or playing blackjack or you know like those. Things but they're all like, oh. but they're all tied together now. Like poker, for whatever reason, like one, it's not going to be meaningful revenue to anyone. So it's just like it's just gotten lumped in with casino. You're not going to just like nobody's ever going to say, oh, we're just going to legalize poker. Not going to happen. New York has tossed around a bill for a while, but at this point, I think that's done. And like poker is such a you know in the in the U.S. marketplace right now is a rounding error in terms of. If you compare it to sports betting, you know it's just not a meaningful product. It's a it's a it's a customer acquisition retention tool is more than a something that's really going to make money for any company. Yeah. Before I let you go, Dustin, what do you want to be when you grow up? Which is probably pretty topical now that you're a fun employed. Yeah, I don't. I still don't know. I haven't really thought about it. It's been two months. I've got a sub stack that I'm that I'm fooling around with. Professional know, uh, golfer. I play better golf now than I did when I was, I played in high school for my team. It wasn't that great, but I play better now. Man, I'd love to, I, I'm not anywhere near a scratch golf. Uh, like I, I think I'm carrying a 13 right now. I don't know. I just like, I like to create and write. And part of me wants to go write a book about all this. I don't know if I'll ever get the, get my ass in gear and actually write said book. But I think there's a, there's a book of everything we talked about today. There's a book to be written that hasn't been written. Yes. There's been a couple of books about the DFS industry. Maybe somebody's already working on the book about, about sports betting, but there's a fascinating book to be written about everything. And if I if I get my butt gear and well, the lane's open for you, dance. Dustin. The lane's there. Yeah, but it's writing a book. I don't know if I I could write I could write stories and I could write blogs. I don't writing a book is a is a challenge, man. You can know. have Chat GPT write half of it for you. It's fine. I'll 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 just say here write a book and uh, see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for dropping by and uh, sharing your opinions. And it's it's so nice to hear your voice as opposed to your Twitter persona. I think I think it's it, you, you've got a unique perspective. And thanks for sharing it with the listeners of the podcast. Cheers, Jason. Good talking with you. Okay. Thanks. <laughs>